Hi, I'm Jenna Lee, a pediatric occupational therapist. And I'm Greg, a doctor of educational psychology. We're husband and wife, parents of four, trying to make evidence-based parenting practices accessible to all. Thanks for joining us as we learn to navigate the happy human life. Welcome to episode number seven, date number seven. Lucky number seven, baby. We are so close to 10. I'm very excited about it. We're like almost. Double digits. Almost at 10. Today's topic is stop yelling and find your calm. Oh my God, please. Techniques for nurturing emotional regulation. Oh, something the whole world needs a lot more of. I'm, I'm not feeling calm right now. Uh-oh. You know, I think starting these episodes <laughs> increases my anxiety a bit. Yeah. So I'm hoping that by, you know, talking about this topic, I will settle down yeah, as I'm, we go on. This is, uh, I love talking to you. I do. Usually we do it in bed after the kids are asleep. We and have these kind of conversations. We don't have a bunch of people listening to us. And the, yeah, it's sitting here with like the microphone in the face. We it's got a lot head, of pressure. We got headphones on. There's like maybe like, who knows, like three, four people listening to this. Um, we have a sick <laughs> child home. We probably have another one that's going to be sent home. Yeah. You know, we're just waiting for <laughs> to hit the fan, basically. You, s- you said a swear word. Are we doing it now? Get ready. <laughs> I'll bleep it. I promise. I'll put bleeps in it. (laughs) But we are here to talk about finding our calm. And we are going to have three tips for you like we've done in all of our episodes and as we plan to continue to do. And so to summarize the tips before we really do the deep dive, number one is going to be discover joyful movement. Two is going to be practice mindfulness and mind-body awareness. And three, develop time management strategies. So by the end of this episode, we will all be better able to understand techniques to support our calm and be able to model regulation for our kids by using those three actionable tips. Yeah. So before we dig in, let's talk about some stats from social media. So these are like hot off the presses, just came in. Yeah. What do we got? The first question we asked was, how often do you find yourself raising your voice or yelling when dealing with challenging situations with your children? That's a mouthful. (laughs) But 91% of you, including Greg and I, said that we occasionally or oftentimes raise our voices or yell when we are dealing with these challenging situations. Again, like a lot of these stats that come in, I don't think we're surprised. Yeah, no, I, it's we are all, if, again, if you're a character... We live in a very dysregulated world. It's, it's so tough to find your calm when there's so much chaos surrounding mm-hmm. us. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully in going through the episode today, we can just... Help us all nudge ourselves a little closer to finding that calm with our actionable tips. We'll have a few more tools in our toolbox. That's it. That's what this is all about. And so our other question that we asked was, how motivated are you to make positive changes in the way that you handle challenging parenting situations and promote emotional regulation in your household with, again, nine over 90%, 91%, being moderately to very motivated to make these kind of changes, which is why we are here doing this. People want to see some change. They want to find their calm. They don't want to yell anymore. We are here to help. And we get these questions all the time across the Happy Human community. Uh 
within the Happy Human Collective, which is our more personalized parent support Mm -hmm. and education group. So looking at um, someone's question, Bethany said she has two girls, four and six years old. She feels like she's constantly dealing with her six-year-old putting down her four-year-old with her words. When she gets mad, sometimes she kicks, sometimes she scratches. She feels like it's partially her fault because she knows that in the past, you know, she's jumped in, automatically blamed problems between the two of them on the six-year-old. She said, I do know that our four-year-old eggs her on. And she tries to intervene before things get escalated, but it can get heated very quickly. Yeah. Snap. Yeah. Been there. Um, She wants to know, how can I help them to love each other and not dislike each other? I end up losing my cool and just feel like a failure. I feel like I'm doing things wrong with my older child. I want her to know that she has a great heart, but the behavior isn't okay. Help. I'm feeling this one. (laughs) Um, So much of this resonates with me and my experience, especially with our oldest. Um, So if anything, Bethany, just know that you are definitely not alone here. Yeah, I know. I think we tend to place a lot more pressure and blame on our oldest as well. Right. You know, it's like we hold her to this higher standard just because she's a few years older That's than it. everybody That's else. <laughs> she yeah, came, right. You came first, so you must know how to act. <laughs> Fall back on all that damn wisdom you got in you those must be couple a extra years. Yeah, right. Um, so I also want to emphasize here that our kids' perceived misbehavior is always communication. And this is something that, you know, we've talked about a lot on the podcast So let's dig in to see how we can help all of our family members be better able to show up as the best versions of themselves. Hell yeah. And so just really quick, got to do it, salesman mode. We obviously have these three tips for you that we're sharing out in each episode. But if you're out there and you're like really looking to dig in, accelerate your growth, see some major changes within yourself and that can cascade down into your family, kind of do the work that needs to be done so you can grow more into the parent that you want to be. Do consider joining us in that Happy Human Collective, this kind of private education and support group that we recently started. We are hosting these live workshops where we're sharing out evidence-based strategies to help you with your specific problems. We are running these weekly challenges that are going to force you to, again, really dig in and do the work that are going to help you grow. And we also have this... I mean, we're not going to force you to do it, but you're going to want to do it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I got my whip. Let's keep it positive, Greg. (laughs) But so for everyone participating in these challenges, for those that have submitted them and we're reviewing them, it's just incredible to see the work that's being done and the growth that's taking place. And also just to kind of uh, round off what we got going on in there, we do kind of have this private community hub. It's like its own little social media feed and group text thread. We're all just really connecting on a much deeper level, helping each other feel seen and supported. So go to happyhumanlife.org. Consider just giving it a shot. We are currently running a 14-day free trial, so you can come check it out for two weeks. If it's not for you, cancel, get out of there. But um, we just would love to see it in there and work with you on a more personal level. But Yeah, and I mean, feel free to reach out to us too directly. 
if you have any questions, yeah, there's contact on our website as well. So on to the tips. So getting into actionable tip number one, which as an occupational therapist, I think this is my favorite. We want to discover joyful movement. So getting into my story, I've been on like this lifelong quest <laughs> to find some type of movement that actually feels good to me and my body, right? Like I'm not a runner. Yeah. It's been a challenge figuring it out. Yeah, I feel like that's almost everybody out there. I mean, some of us, you know, through maybe participating in sports, find a kind of movement that just seems to fit. But how many of us have bounced around to doing all these different types of things? Just oh, and are able, able to continue to do that into adulthood yeah, too. Exactly. It's like all of that kind of goes away after high school. Yeah. or college, what's really left. Right, exactly. Um, so when I started seeking out exercise, you know, I was probably a teenager Same. and then kind of took it a little more seriously in young adulthood. Um, but it was totally for a different reason Yeah. than now. I mean, that's a whole other topic we right. can talk about. But let's just say I know many of us grew up in a time when a lot of pressure was placed on us to look a certain way. Oh, way, way back then, as <laughs> if it's, it's, it's... We're trying to make changes, Greg. No, I know. But so just to be clear, though, I, I, I don't go to the gym, uh, really. But I would imagine many of the people in there are in there for those same reasons. Yeah. Um, but I'll let you continue. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, at least for myself, I'm not going to you know speak to why other people are there. But there's so much unlearning to do. And, you know, I don't think I'm ever going to truly recover, if you want to call it that. Right. Um, you know, it's so ingrained within me, but I'm really, I'm trying to change this part of myself, not only for me, but for my kids as well. So I'm trying to model engaging in movement or exercise as a way to gain strength, as a way to maintain or improve my health, and just like to mentally feel better, right. right? Like I can take on anything. Yeah, develop that resilience. Right. So I finally found this movement just recently, really, like it's, you know, been since the spring where I've been participating in, you know, bar and yoga classes. And it's just, it fills my cup to be a part of this community. And, you know, I do classes in person and then I do some online as well. And I just look forward to it every day. And I do feel like it's contributing to me showing up as a more regulated and supportive mom. Yeah. And so what's totally nuts is some of these days you will wake up early. And so let's say we have the alarm uh, to get the kids up for school for 645. You'll wake up at, let's say, six and you'll scoot downstairs and you'll do one of your classes. And it's just it's like night and day the version of you going through the yeah. morning routine with me and the kids, um, you know, right, the version of you that's gotten up and got in your movement versus the version of you that decides to just get up with everybody else. It's, I'm not going to say it's two different people, but there are some incredibly noticeable changes in terms of how you're showing up. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm taking care of myself and it's also you have a sense of accomplishment, yeah. right? When you finish something. A massive check the box, a great yeah. dopamine rush, right. endorphins, all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, so like I just want people to understand that our oldest is 11, our youngest is two and a half, 
it's been a huge struggle for me to find the time to explore these types of activities, right? To like give myself the permission and the space to take time for myself. Yeah. If it means parking the kids in front of the TV so you can get that movement in, so be it. Do what you got to do. Do what you got to (laughs) do. But like it didn't happen until recently for me. So it's, it's been a long road, right? There's no village like we talk about. And even if you have a partner, they're in the thick of it too. So like me asking you for a break when that would mean leaving you behind to sort of handle all of the chaos, especially like with new babies and toddlers, there's this lack of support and so many demands on young parents. And we're just, it's really difficult to find time to take care of ourselves and even explore things that might feel good for us. Yeah. And so again, I can imagine a lot of people listening to this first tip and just like scoffing at it. Like, are you freaking kidding me? I don't have time for that. Yeah. And so I just think we, you and I both want to acknowledge this is really hard, right? Uh, But just because you haven't been able to find your movement or find the time to engage in that movement doesn't mean you can't or won't. Um, But yeah, we need to find ways to move our bodies that's going to get our heart rate going, get all those beautiful hormones flowing, those chemicals pumping away that just allow us to kind of, again, offload the stress and show up as those regulated parents that we want to be. And so just like you're reflecting on myself personally, I love play and I can get into this kind of joyful movement with my kids through play. And um, we talk a lot about kind of exercise snacks in our home. Um, It's very rare for me personally that I would go to a gym and kind of exercise for a chunk of time. Instead, I'm finding little pockets of time, whether it be a minute or five minutes. Um, And so just the other night, I remember uh, doing kind of tag with the kids before dinner, um, literally chasing each other around the house. Um, And the the tag must have lasted for maybe just a few minutes. But I remember at the end of it, I'm like out of breath and I'm laying on the ground and they finally caught me, right? They're piling on top of me. But it's like, what a wonderful way to move, to get the heart flowing, to connect with the kids. Um, but, it, you know, that's just... Well, I think you're teaching them, too, that movement can be and is fun. Absolutely. And so outside of that, though, again, that's not the only movement I get in. I, For those that are following us on social media, you'll see me in the woods quite a bit. I do go for, for hikes in the woods. Um, but it, even throughout the day, again, talking about these snacks, I'll just plop down on the floor and just do as many push-ups as I can do. And the moment I can't do any more, that's when I kind of give up. But it's this pushing, literally, till I can't push any more, that kind of gives me the sense of my strength and my resilience. Like when when we push ourselves to do kind of these hard things, um, it really helps you tap into a part of yourself that you can't really achieve anywhere else. So this kind of uh, movement is just important for our mental health. I totally agree. So yeah, you're showing yourself that you can do hard things, yeah, which is going to generalize to other areas of your life, Absolutely. right? Like I can handle challenging situations with my kids because look how I was able to hold that yoga position for X amount of minutes. Yeah, right? Or I was able to do this many reps when, you know, four weeks ago I wasn't able to. Yeah. 
And so I think one of the big problems is this idea of movement. Again, we kind of put ourselves in a box. It's like, oh, I don't have time to do that. We all have time to take 30 seconds, to take a minute to do something, to get our asses off the chair and just move, get the blood flowing. Right. So let's practice this right now. Everyone take out your phones and I want you to schedule a time later today to do five minutes of some type of enjoyable movement. Heck, you can stand up right now and like just shake your body. Yeah, do it. Get those, get those <laughs> wiggles it out, out. Shake it out. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> um, I'm going to schedule in a dance party yeah. for after dinner. So I'm going to put in my phone at 6 p.m. dance party. Yes. We'll drop everything, put music on, and just move. And again, like it doesn't have to be for some long period of time. It can be the sort of movement snack. And I think what you'll see is that there really is a reciprocal relationship between movement that we provide for ourselves and our families and then how we feel. Hell yeah. When we move our bodies in these loving ways, we're ultimately giving ourselves more control over our emotions, right? So we're taking the time to fill our cup, which is going to make it so we're less likely to hit our breaking point and snap when something triggers us. Yeah, for sure. And so, again, you might be struggling to think of, okay, what might this movement look like for me? And at the end of the day, it's going to involve time and experimentation. Uh, But just to give you some examples of things that you can do, like Jenny said, put on some music, have a dance party. I mean, that's one of our personal favorites and it gets the whole family involved um, most of the time. Um, You can go for a family walk. You can have your kids and obviously it would be good if you and helped, but set up an obstacle course, um, but definitely let them have a buy-in of how it looks. It's gonna That one's a little more uh, involved and might not take five minutes, yeah, but right. it's fun. It is a, it's a damn fun one, and the whole process of creating the setup and even like breaking it down once you've timed everybody and had some fun with it, it's competition. Uh, but family yoga is another favorite that we've done, uh, maybe not recently, but in the past. Again, tons of YouTube videos uh, with kid-friendly yoga. What's what was it? Cosmic Kids mm. had a had a really good channel on YouTube. Um, but you can even just just pick one pose. Like tonight, we're oh, gonna do yeah. tree pose. That's it. Let's see how how long we can hold it for. Yeah, right. And so again, it's it's a minute, but you so you're just starting somewhere to kind of build some sort of uh, habit. Um, But the other one I want to mention, which is a very personal favorite, is playing balloon volleyball or keepy-uppy if you're a Bluey fan. Um, And this is something that I will play for like 20 minutes with my two-year-old. But as soon as the other kids see it, they jump right in. He's like a cat playing with a cat toy. But like it's it's crazy how something like a friggin' balloon can just absorb you for for that long and again we're like we're running around getting the heart rate up we're having fun it uh so there's no wrong way to move just you gotta move if you want to be able to kind of find your calm absolutely and it doesn't need to be complicated like i said keep it simple that brings us to our next actionable tip which is practice mindfulness and mind body awareness so greg do you want to jump into that story yes and so something that i have personally been doing a lot more over the past few years is this kind of what i call like a temperature check um i have struggled like i'm sure all of you with just focusing on the damn moment my mind 
is everywhere else than right now. It's like reflecting on the past mistakes I've made and feeling awful about them. It's thinking ahead to the future and getting anxious about the things that I have to do. And it's, I find it just really challenging to live in the damn moment, be mindful, be happy. Um, but when I'm, the, the more I've been doing these kind of temperature checks, it's just forcing myself into that space where I'm looking within, kind of helping me develop the skills just to live in the now and be mindful. But the temperature check specifically is me pausing at small kind of moments, pockets throughout the day where I assess how I feel. And so I'm like, like closing my eyes and trying to like feel my heartbeat, measure my heart rate, kind of, you know, take my bodily temperature in a sense. Um, I focus on my breath and am mindful with my breathing, trying to slow it down trying to make my exhales more slow and exaggerated, holding breaths. Um, the idea is taking these moments to pause and look within are just helping me kind of take inventory of what's going on within my, my body, right? Kind of shining the spotlight inward is helping me grow my own awareness of mm -hmm. how I feel, which is giving me a greater sense of control over how I then show up, right? How can you possibly change something if you're not first taking the time to measure it? Yeah. And I love this because you're not just talking about emotion words, right? Yeah. You're actually getting in touch with your physiological state, right? Yeah. You said, you know, how does my heart feel? Is it beating fast, too slow, just right? These are all things we can teach our kids to do too. Yeah. How does my skin feel? Am I sweating? Right? Is something making me uncomfortable? What can I do to take care of that feeling? And focusing on the body first can help us become more aware of when we're about to be triggered. Mm -hmm. So it's really step one. You want to understand these internal sensations before we even get to step two, which is labeling the sort of mix of sensations with some sort of emotion word. Right. And, you know, I think we often skip over this step when we teach kids, right? Like think about, you know, all like the board books or like the face cards that we used to teach emotions. Are those really effectively teaching our kids how to identify their emotions, and how to take care of their emotions. Right. So the key here is we need to get more in touch with these internal sensations before we begin to label them. So we want to do our best to introduce these kind of mindfulness practices as much as we can to promote our own self-awareness, which, like you said, is this first step in developing emotional intelligence, which ultimately will get us to the goal of being able to regulate our emotions. We want to show up calm. We want to find our calm. Step one, look inward, measure yourself, get a sense of yourself. Mm -hmm. Then you can move into that labeling strategy, which will help you just better understand what's going on. Right. And then you can use some sort of technique, yeah. right? That's you know, the ultimate goal is that you're going to be able to take care of yourself. Right. So, you know, using things like body scans, which we can get into in the later episode, meditation, yoga, we're helping our kids and ourselves connect with our feelings to eventually 
you know, either have a greater sense of calm or be more regulated, whatever that looks like in the environment that you're in. Yeah. And so to take a step back, we can grow more aware of the things that set off, set us off, right? This would be a great place to kind of focus in on. So today, let's take some time together here to grow more mindful of the things that watch out, trigger us. <laughs> um, yeah, so we've been focusing on triggers uh, quite a bit in the Happy Human Collective in that in that group. I truly believe we could just focus on <laughs> triggers for the rest of time. Yeah, that's, that's it. And so, but if we're able to just identify and become aware and mindful of our triggers, again, that's step one in being able to gain a sense of control over them. Right. Right. So a powerful tool for our own self-regulation is to practice a response to triggers outside of that triggering moment. So go ahead right now and think about something your partner or your child does that triggers you. It can literally be anything, Greg. Yeah. What so again, so so something that comes to mind for me is when <laughs> our kids hurt each other. Same. Um, yeah. It's it's <laughs> the moment, right? I hear one of them crying from the other room, and I, let's say I know they're in a room together. We have a big playroom that they often all uh, share. I immediately get triggered when I hear one of them cry because it's kind of become this like conditioned response for those of you uh, familiar with psychology and the Pavlovian conditioning, right? Um, the stimulus of the crying is leads to this uh, involuntary response from me. Um, the emotions just flood all in the ways where I don't want them to go. And so in order to kind of override or rewrite that conditioned response, the whole idea is I need to be able to sit with that triggering stimulus pushing myself into a more relaxed state. Um, this is kind of this exposure therapy that clinicians might help people with if they come in with anxiety disorders or phobias, for example. Uh, so basically, we want to be able to face our triggers without having those conditioned responses, right? We want to break that association so we can access a more calm sense of self. So right now, we're asking you, again, to think of the thing that triggers you. And so as you think of your trigger, you should be prepared to feel triggered. That's the whole idea. So being mindful of those internal sensations, right? Like maybe your heart's beating a little bit faster. Maybe you're getting a dry mouth. Maybe your hands are sweaty. All signs that something's going on with us physiologically. This, This fight or flight mode that we kind of pop into. Right. So here's something to try. We're going to come we're going to come up with our own calm down mantra. You know I love my mantras. So we're going to use this mantra when we're practicing managing a trigger. So again, outside of the actual triggering moment. We're sort of thinking about it, visualizing it visualize, going down. Visualizing it, right? You can write down the mantra in the notes on your phone. That's something I use a lot. Or on a piece of paper. After you have it written down, you're going to take a picture of it or a screenshot. And then you're going to set it as the wallpaper on your phone to remind yourself of this mantra on a daily basis. Like I have one on my phone right now. Um, You're going to come up with one on your own using the steps I just described. So maybe you're doing it right now. Maybe you're doing it after you listen to the podcast. Either way is fine. Or I am going to give you a basic one. So here it goes. I am present 
patient and loving, I choose to respond with calm and compassion. Nice. So the big idea here is you want to practice visualizing yourself experiencing the triggering behavior, event, or hell, a person, um, outside of it actually happening. So this is me right now, like closing my eyes, and I'm visualizing myself preparing dinner. I'm occupied. I'm busy. But I hear my daughter from the other room start screaming, and I quickly assume oh no, one of my other kids has whacked her over the head with a Barbie doll. Classic assault in our home. Uh, And so so I might feel myself getting triggered and I truly am thinking about it. Um, Right, so isn't it great that if you have this on your phone, you can literally click on the home screen and read the mantra to yourself. In the moment, for sure. But so the whole point here is we're practicing outside the moment as well. And so I would say to myself now as I'm feeling triggered, visualizing this, I am present, patient, and loving. I choose to respond with calm and compassion, right? Using the mantra. And, uh, you know, in past episodes, we've talked a lot about breath work, the physiological sigh, for example, deep breath in, force in a bit more then out right and the more you practice these things the more you're going to be able to use them in the moment you're going to be able to pull them up a heck of a lot faster than if you hadn't practiced right if you practice using a tool to manage a problem you're going to be more able to access that tool when the problem comes up so again your brain is really cool right if you close your eyes and visualize something your brain doesn't really know the difference that it, like you're creating it in your brain or it's happening in real life. All your brain knows is this is what exists. This is the energy that you're creating in your mind. So this is the space where you, again, can really break these conditioned responses, break those associations so we aren't triggered as easily at those stimuli and just have more control over how we respond. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to our third actionable tip of this episode Develop time management strategies to find your calm. (laughs) (laughs) So this was kind of one we hadn't really thought a lot about before writing the outline for this podcast, but I think this is going to be really helpful. So listen up. Yeah. Um, (laughs) If you you haven't been listening, listening, now's the time. Focus up, peoples. (laughs) So I'm going to share a story from our home. Um, so being on the clock is probably our number one source of dysregulation yep. in our house. Would you agree? I mean, if time didn't exist, oh, I, would we'd be be mu- great. I would be much less stressed. <laughs> um, so we've instituted a rule that if we have to leave by five o'clock, we give ourselves a 30 minute window. So we say we need to leave by four thirty. Yes. Building in that 30 minute buffer has been like life changing. We um, never leave at 4:30. God, we're no. still leaving at five o'clock or 5:05. Right, we're, <laughs> we're still often late. But the versions of us that are trying to get out the door are so much more calm because we know we've built in that buffer. Versus, let's say we didn't have, didn't build in that kind of time management strategy, our anxieties are just elevated. We are rushing. We're raising our voices. We're pulling and tugging and just, again, not being who we want to be. So it's amazing how just that kind of rule that we've established has been making the whole process just 
more calm. And so again, we might still be late, but at least we didn't freak out on the kids and kind of traumatize them. Right, we didn't yell at them. Having our anxieties and dysregulations spill over onto them. Right. And you know, another thing that we do is some so something as simple as like setting out the lunch boxes on the kitchen counter the night before yeah. or selecting our clothes to wear for the next day. Like we're not great about doing that with clothes, but when we do, we notice that the mornings go a heck of a lot easier. Yeah. And it's teaching our kids a skill. Like if you want to be on time, setting your clothes out the night before is going to be a way to take back some of your mornings. That's it. Right. You wanna remove barriers as much as you can. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes there are barriers that are out of our control. Right. Like, for example, the girls participate in dance and dance starts at four. And sometimes they get off the bus at 3.50. Yeah. That, and that, <laughs> Dance is close. It's like a good five to six minutes away. Yeah. So that leaves them four minutes to yeah. get in the door, get dressed. In the door, go pee. Grab get something on your outfits, to eat. Get a snack. Yeah. Get your water bottle. Let's get in the car. Oh, my God. What stress, the hell? Stress. Um, and so what's funny is like this is such a tight time crunch where, you know, we are stressed that, okay, we because I hate being late. You know, I just find it to be impolite. Uh, and rude, so it's it's a rush for me. Okay, you like giddy up under your damn step as they're getting. It. I'm like, it's freaking dance day. I'm like yelling the from the window. It's dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you know we're already stressed, but then we like get more stressed when they also aren't getting stressed out about this idea right. about uh, that they might be late. Um, so anytime we can develop systems to kind of decrease the in moment stress um, to achieve this sense of calm and control, we'll just help us show up. And so again, we have our strategies with this tight window, but I think for this specific example, at least me personally, I've kind of settled into the mindset like, listen, we're going to be five minutes late to dance. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. You know, I've had a conversation with the dance teacher. She understands. Um, It kind of is what it is. And so that's helped me when they get off the bus to not just kind of go into panic mode and again, have my stress spill out onto them because it's not their fault. We're not going to shame them because of it. Right. Yeah. So what we're talking about here is developing time management strategies. So, you know, for example, planning and other systems of organization so that we can manage our time and our tasks more effectively, ultimately reducing the stressors that can lead to this emotional dysregulation. So if we go back to our stressful getting them to their four o'clock dance class when they get home at 350, right? We could implement a system where we pick them up yeah, on that day. That's right. Right? And, and you did. You tried this just yeah, the other so day. Yeah, we so just, we just tried it. And, I mean, we didn't get home that much earlier. And I waited in the parent pickup line <laughs> for a good 30 minutes. Right, even right. though, so just to give you a little bit of a backstory, where our girls go to school, there are two different buildings so like the younger kids pre-k through first are in one building and then second through eighth are in another building so i had to go pick up our first grader first so i got there at 245 so i didn't get her until like 305 was first in line by the way nice and then Wait, did anyone give you a medal as you rolled around i felt like i deserved a medal <laughs> and then i went around to get our other two daughters and so now that line is all backed up. So honestly, you know, it 
it what that was a little stressful, but we still got home. I want to say like three thirty. Yeah. So we had more time, like a twenty minute window yeah. versus four. Yeah, and so I think that day we we definitely got there on time instead of being late. And I do remember it being just more relaxed. There wasn't as much of a rush, and so. And I think you figured out, you know, was it worth the investment of me going to pick them up or just, you know, settle into the fact that they're going to be five minutes late? Mm. Um, you know, there's no, I don't think, any right answer here. But I love that it, you at least put into practice an attempt at developing a new strategy to try to mitigate those stressful moments. Right. We have to try these things out. Yeah. And if they fail, see if they work. great, we've learned right. something. There's Again, there's no really wrong way to kind of go about figuring out what works. Um, the only way to figure that out is to try. So let's take a moment to think about one thing we can change in our daily or weekly schedule that will give us more time and ultimately lead to us being more regulated parents. Yeah, so as you're listening to this, again, think of just one part of your routine that is especially stressful and dysregulating during which you find yourself showing up in ways that you kind of regret later. Um, right. So like, is it getting dressed for the day? Yeah. Like we said, try picking out and setting out their clothes the night before. Is it getting them to an activity? Maybe you can ask for help with a ride from another parent. Yeah. Or can you find a way to build in more time to give yourself space to get on the road without rushing. Yeah. So I'm thinking right now, like for me, bedtime has been the eternal struggle for the almost past 12 years. Um, I get dysregulated when it's time to get ready for bed. And like I want lights out at 8.30 p.m. because I want time with you and for myself, right? I don't want to the bedtime routine to just creep into the late night. And then well, it's I'm like, like no child needs to be up past that yeah. time and our kids <laughs> we're not judging anybody whose kids are because ours are up past that time because yeah. it's just bedtime i think part is part a of process our, and part of our struggle too is we have all four of them in one room from 11 to two and a half and our 11 year old is starting to go through puberty her brain's quite literally telling her no stay up late and rage um, well, and she's so, always been a night owl yeah that, that's so true. it's really funny because our 11 year old and our two and a half year old i think are pretty similar yeah, in that way so he likes to rage as well. so we've got our six-year-old and our eight-year-old who are like can we just go to sleep yeah and then our 11 year old and two and a half year old just feeding off of one another yeah a lot of energy um but so for me i don't think we build in enough space for the routine given all the unique personalities that we're kind mm. of working with here yeah, so to, ex to expect like this 8 30 everyone's in bed lights out go to sleep is just unrealistic when we're walking up the steps at like eight o'clock or something like that so for me, what I'm going to do to put this actionable tip into practice, I'm going to set a reminder to start the bedtime routine at 7.30 p.m. Uh, let me get my phone here. Hold on. Hey, Siri, remind me to start bedtime routine weekdays at 7.30 p.m. Okay. I added start bedtime routine for this evening at 7.30 p.m. Nice. <laughs> and so what's fantastic, I'm like looking forward to tonight when my phone dings and it's like, oh, there's my cue. And I'm, again, building in space that's going to help us achieve the goal, which is going to help me stay calm, find my calm, because it won't be so much of a damn rush. Uh, we're all just so damn beat at the end of the day 
try to find ways to make those nighttime routines especially a little more easier for yourself yeah absolutely and I think this like I can like circle back to that first way to find our calm right joyful movement and I think about those mornings that I do get up earlier it's hard to get up at you know 6 a.m when the rest of the house is asleep but building in that time eases my stress later in the day I mean have you ever regretted it once you've gotten up no never never yeah no, I regret it sometimes when I don't get up because yeah. then I have to do it later. <laughs> yeah, right. And then the day gets ahead of you, right? Like you're able to... You almost feel like you have to sacrifice something else in order to, to get it in. Right. Like I'm exercising while you're making dinner yeah. or, you know, who knows what else. Yeah, when but... you could be spending some quality time with the kids, whatever right. it might be. right. All right, so we have reached the conclusion of episode, I believe this is number seven. We, we're we doing this Ooh, is thing. this lucky number this seven? This is lucky number seven. I think we are official podcasters now <laughs> in our crappy little home studio here. Um, but so we are going to summarize those three tips for you. Like Jenny said, number one, discover joyful movement. Find something that brings you joy, that involves you moving your body around. And let us know what it is. Yeah. We would love to hear from you. Two, practice mindfulness and mind-body awareness. This is where I discussed those temperature checks that I do. Try to grow more comfortable just looking within and taking inventory of how you feel and where you are. Going deep, like to a physiological level. Right. Again, like zoning in on your heart rate. And like taking your kids along for the ride. Yeah. Model it for them. Model how to do this so that they are then more likely to able, able to do this themselves. That's it. And three, like we just finished talking about, develop time management strategies. I'm sure you all agree. You are way more likely to not find your calm when you're in a rush, when you're on the clock. Um, Time can be your friend if you build in strategies that will give you more time and that allow you to show up uh, in a more calm way. So here's our call to action for this episode. If you've been looking to really put in the work and grow into the parent that you want to be. Come and work directly with Greg and I in the Happy Human Collective. It's our education and support program that is continuing to grow on a weekly, if not daily basis, which is super exciting. But we're hosting workshops once a month. We're running weekly challenges. And we have a private community hub that's almost like the social media feed where members are able to really connect with us and we're able to get to know one another on a more personal level, which is really nice. Um, So head on over to happyhumanlife.org to learn more. And we will also include a link in the show notes just to make things easier for you guys. Yeah. It's currently still free to try for 14 days. You can cancel at any time, but we are confident that you're going to love the space You are going to benefit and grow tremendously from the activities Mm -hmm. and you're going to adore the community because everyone that we've got in there fun group. It's like so what's really been cool is I have spent a lot of time over the past year engaging with people through social right on Instagram on Facebook and much of those interactions are fantastic. A lot of kind of parents and caregivers just seeking growth wanting to be better but there's also a lot of unpleasant people mixed in and it can really, you know, it's just tough to engage in those conversations. But this 
collective has really been a space for just those people who are taking their growth seriously, who are like here to just support each other. And it's every moment I spend in there just talking with these other parents, working with them, it just elevates me and it seems to be elevating them as well. And we just, yeah, we hope you join us. And we love that people are identifying it it as like this judgment-free zone yeah, for sure. too. So don't think like your problems are too big yeah, to, right. come to, <laughs> cut to come to this program. Honestly, you are welcome regardless of where you're you're starting at. Absolutely. So looking ahead, our next episode is going to be Ooh, another big one. Parenting as a team, meeting partner's values and needs in a relationship. Uh, again, we do obviously get a lot of questions about the topic today. For example, I don't want to be that explosive, dysregulated parent. I want to find my calm. One of the other biggest questions we get has to do with kind of working with our partners, kind of getting them on board, collaborating with them so you can kind of come to the table with strategies that are going to work for everyone. And be consistent for our kids Absolutely. and ourselves, right? Yeah, so look forward to that. Let's end today with a mantra. Are you ready for it? I'm ready. I'm always ready for your mantras. Boom, it's like boom, my favorite part boom. of every episode. <laughs> I just threw in a little Taylor Swift Easter egg there. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I swear, I didn't. I wasn't a Taylor Swift fan. They call them Swifties. You don't say. You don't say Taylor Swift. Okay, I wasn't Swifties. a Swifty until seeing her movie. Go see it. She didn't pay me to say that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, here we go. I choose to practice self compassion, knowing that I'm doing my best. During moments of stress, I will pause, breathe, and respond with the love my family deserves. Ah, that was beautiful. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. We sincerely hope to see you in the collective. Yeah, hopefully see you there. Take care, everybody. Bye. Bye.